So today we've come together to listen to the Dhamma. On this occasion, that we have come to stay in the monastery on a retreat. Uh, the retreat will take place over the next three days, over this weekend, beginning tonight. And it's on the occasion of uh, Waisak or Wisaka Puja, the full moon day in May when we recollect uh, the birth, the enlightenment, and the Parinibbana of the Lord Buddha. Actually, this year the lunar calendar has, we say, two, um, two months. Uh, the, the month in the cycle is number eight. So it's as if two full moons, uh, an extra full moon. So in June, in Thailand, they actually celebrate the Waisak or the Wisaka Puja in June, the full moon in June this year. Normally it's in May. But this being Australia and it's the winter time, it seems appropriate to commemorate this occasion in May, not June. So this is why if we've come together at this time. So tomorrow we will also have a circumambulation where we take flowers, candles and incense and walk three times around the hall containing the Buddha statue with the relics of the Lord Buddha. Ajahn Kalyana and the Sangha here have arranged this retreat for our benefit so that we can all practice together. So today is the beginning of the retreat. It's a time to meditate, to contemplate, to listen to the Dhamma. Actually, the Dhamma, or the truth, is always there. Uh, we might think this, the Dhamma is the truth as taught by the Lord Buddha. But the Lord Buddha said and remarked himself, whether a Buddha arises in the world or not, the truth is the truth. It's always there. It's that which is. It's something that uh, is, is there all the time th throughout eternity. Uh, but a Buddha arises in the world to help reveal the truth to us, to help us to see, understand the truth. Uh, the qualities of the Dhamma, and the fact that all phenomena are impermanent, uh, suffering and not self anicca, dukkha, anitta these are the qualities of the truth of the Dhamma that we, we contemplate all phenomena physical phenomena, mental phenomena are transient, they arise, pass away this is something we come to see through our practice they're dukkha meaning that because they're subject to arising and passing away, subject to degeneration, they're difficult to bear with, difficult to endure. And because they are transient, impermanent, arise and pass away, we can't say that there's any fixed, permanent self in phenomena. Uh, there's no one who owns these physical or mental phenomena that we experience in this world. The Lord Buddha built his parami spiritual perfections for many lives until he was ready to penetrate this truth, to see the Dhamma. In his last life as the Buddha, the Gautama the Buddha, he came to see that 
the nature of life as a human being is subject to suffering, isn't it? We have aging, sickness and death that we can't escape from. This is the nature of sentient life. It, it begins and ends. This is its, the experience of it and we can't avoid that. It was reflecting on this that left it, led him to leave home to practice as a samana, to lead the holy life. And for six years he practiced very strict ascetic practices. He went to study with the leading teachers in India, northern India at that time, uh, Alama Kalama, Utaka Ramabhutra, who taught him how to meditate to very refined states of jhana, but still not finding enlightenment. He went off and he practiced the ascetic practices, learning to fast and really push himself, uh, push his body to extremes, but still didn't reach the end of suffering or the experience of enlightenment that he was seeking. He fasted almost to the point where he died. He was so skinny and so weak. But eventually, after six years, realized that wasn't the way to practice that wasn't the way that would bring insight and the end of suffering so he started to eat again he came down from his mountain retreat uh, came to the Nelangela river which is still there today in northern India and settled down at the Bodhi tree he sat, sat down facing the east uh, on a throne a simple throne but we call it the throne the Wajira art it's uh, for somebody with a mind like a diamond. You know, his determination, his purity of intent was so supreme that it made his mind bright and pure like a diamond. And he made his determination that if he hadn't found the way to enlightenment, to the end of suffering, as he sat down and practiced, if he hadn't found it, as long as he hadn't found it, then he wouldn't arise. He would even willingly die there and then on that, in that spot, rather than get up again without being enlightened. He had the confidence in his heart to do this, to make this resolution, because he'd already um, made another determination just prior to that on the banks of the river. He had a golden tray that he floated on the river and he made his resolution or his aspiration for, for enlightenment, the end of suffering and he had a, a miracle occurred that the golden tray floated upstream against the current which gave him confidence that this really is the time he will reach enlightenment. So he went to the Bodhi tree and sat down determined not to get up until he had finished the practice. So he's ready to make the ultimate sacrifice, even sacrifice his life if necessary. What we call paramata parami, the perfection of all the three levels of the paramis. And he began the evening by meditating, entering the first jhana, that state of calm, peaceful meditation or samadhi that he had once done before when he was seven years old at the royal ploughing ceremony when his father the king was performing that ceremony young prince Siddhartha uh, quietly moved away and sat under the rose apple tree and entered the first jhana quite naturally 
um, just seeking some peace of mind in the shade of the tree. As he sat under the Bodhi tree on the night of his enlightenment, he went from the first jhana, gradually moved in deeper, into a deeper state of samadhi, and reaching the fourth jhana, a very deep state of concentration. From that arose, <coughs> in the, we say, the first watch of the night, so between the time 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., there arose in him the knowledge, uh, the recollection of past lives, Pubaini Vasana Satyana, the ability to recollect his own previous lives, previous existences, countless existences, or to turn to recollect the lives of other beings, to realize that as human beings, this is not our only life. We've been born and died many times. In the second watch of the night, between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., he carried on meditating and he developed yatakama bhutayana, you know, the knowledge of karma and how beings arise are born into this world according to their karma and the karma differentiates between beings and why they're born in different realms and they have different experiences it's because of karma previous actions and the results of that and why Different people, different beings experience different levels of happiness and suffering in their lives. Why each person, their experience of happiness and suffering is not exactly the same. Why some people, they do seem to do a lot of good, but don't always immediately seem to reap the good results of their actions. Sometimes they still get a lot of suffering. Other people sometimes seem to do a lot of bad things, but still good things happen to them. Why is this? It all is, has karmic causes, uh, previous karmic causes, to, to explain why that might be so. But he was still not enlightened, even after these two different knowledges arose, but they spurred him on to practice until dawn, 6 a.m., the final watch of the night. And... contemplating the uh, Paticca Samubhada, the nature, interdepend, interdependent nature of uh, how suffering arises independence on different causes and conditions with ignorance as the, the origin. As long as one's mind is covered over with ignorance, avicca, not knowing the truth, uh, not understanding truth, then no samadhi, no wisdom can arise. And this is how suffering comes to be in the minds, the hearts of human beings. This is how birth and death arises. Uh, we all experience different degrees of happiness and suffering in our life. But this is created through our own actions, uh, underlined by ignorance, avicca. The Lord Buddha had seen that Everybody is subject to karma. The actions that they perform bring results, happiness and suffering to them. He could see this clearly, but he said this is still not, you know, the knowledge of enlightenment. It's, it's a useful understanding, it's a useful knowledge, but he, he saw there must be something deeper than this. Why do people make karma? So he carried on contemplating in this last watch of the night to see, well, everybody... 
um, is subject to ignorance, avicca. They have ignorance as a causal condition in their heart and mind. From this, we start to make karma good and bad. We attach uh, to the sense of self, and the sense of self coming from ignorance leads on to a whole set of causal conditions. From making karma, we have states of consciousness arise, vinyana. As vinyana arises, we, have, we experience nama-rupa, the mental and physical nature of this human being arises in dependence on consciousness. With Nama and Rupa as a cause, uh, we experience, we have the six ayatana, the sense bases. We have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, sense of smell, taste, touch, and the mind itself. And with these six, six sense bases, we experience pasna, contact, sense contact. Eyes see forms, ears hear sounds, and so on. With the ear contact or sense, sense contact, we experience feeling, vaitana, pleasure, uh, pain, uh, and neutral vaitana. With the arising of feeling, we experience craving, desire, liking, disliking. With craving as a cause, we experience upadana, attachment, clinging. With clinging as a cause, we experience becoming different states of existence, internalized in the mind, just that you might say the realm of the mind, or the way, the way the mind is, its sense of being. With this as a cause, we experience birth. Birth leads on to more aging, sickness, death, leads on to different kinds of dukkha we experience in life as human beings, physical dukkha, mental dukkha, uh, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, and so on. This is the experience of a human being, and particularly investigating the, the Dhamma to see the truth of where does suffering come from, where does the cause of birth, old age, sickness and death come from. Its origins are with ignorance, misunderstanding of truth, lack of understanding, lack of clarity. This gives rise to this human form based on Nama Rupa, mentality and the physical side, the human body. And we grasp at that with a sense of self. We attach with a sense of self to this body and mind. And that sets in process a whole chain of causal chain of conditions that lead to endless round, an endless round of suffering, which reinforces itself. You know, with more suffering, this conditions more attachment and clinging, more craving, feeds more um, ignorance. So it's an endless cycle. If we don't develop the wisdom, the understanding to see through this and penetrate this, it's just endless cycle of birth and death, the suffering and the arising of more suffering. So this is what the Buddha was contemplating in that last watch of the night. This is what he felt he had to penetrate to really understand it and then abandon the ignorance underlying this whole causal process and really free the mind from it. After the night of his enlightenment, the Buddha then spent 49 days experiencing the peace, the happiness, and the Vimuti Sukha of that experience. It's only after that that he turned 
to consider teaching others and helping others to understand the truth. And he thought first of the five ascetics, his students, fellow practitioners he'd been living with before and decided that they were maybe ripe for understanding this Dhamma that he himself had penetrated and come to understand. Thought of the Venerable Kondanya, one of the, those eight Brahmins who his father had brought in when he was first born to um, make predictions based on astrology and the, the science of that, the, that day and age, the culture of that time. And Kundanya was the only one who predicted that this young boy, Siddhartha, would one day become uh, a world-renowned, enlightened teacher. The others said, maybe he will, maybe he'll just become a, a, a great king or emperor. So they thought of Kundanya and the other ascetics, uh, Bahaya, Mahanama, Asaji, and decided to find them, go back, find them so he could teach them. So he walked 300 kilometers from what is now Bodh Gaya, where the Bodhi tree was, all the way to the deer park, uh, Isipatana Marigadayawan, near Varanasi city. When he met them, he uttered the words, actually told them he is now enlightened, uh, and asked them, has he ever said that before? think carefully and they realized he's never actually said that before so that made them really want to listen to him and the venerable Kondanya perhaps a little bit older and his faith in the Buddha still firmer than the others <clears throat> he was the one who had made that prediction of his enlightenment when he was just a baby uh, he was confident enough to really follow and listen to the, the words of the Buddha that the Buddha gave in that first teaching, the Dhamma Chakapawatana Sutta, saying that whatever is in this world is subject to arising, is also subject to cessation. Yankinchi samutiya tamang sabantang tamanti. That teaching just pointing out the nature of phenomena, things in this world, physical phenomena, mental phenomena. The Venerable Kondanya followed that teaching, contemplated it in his own heart and penetrated the Dhamma at that time. He saw that the nature of all Nama, all Rupa, is just that way. It's transient, impermanent. Dukkha is suffering, it's not self, not, not, things cannot be owned, there's no real self in them. Experiencing this Penetrating the truth in this way, he experienced um, the arising of Sodapati Magapala, stream entry, the fruits of stream entry in his heart. You could see that when we take this body as a self, it must always lead to dukkha, lead to suffering, because it's a delusion, a misunderstanding of the way things are. Now, listening to the Buddha's words and reflecting on himself, his own experience, he could see that this body is really only something we depend on temporarily. We borrow this body as we come into this world and we must let it go. If we can change our way of looking at things in this way, we can give up our attachment and our wrong view towards this body and let it go. 
that change of view will bring great happiness, bring us real peace in our hearts and we'll see the truth in a new light. Now he could see the Dhamma through following the Buddha's words, practicing, contemplating in his own heart. He could see the Dhamma. Now he could really see the true Buddha. Previously he could just see the Buddha from the outside, so the body, the person of the Buddha, say, oh, this is the enlightened Buddha. Now he could see what the Buddha really stands for. The Buddha stands for Dhamma. One who sees the Dhamma sees the Buddha. One who sees the Buddha sees the Dhamma. If we ourselves practice in this way, we contemplate in this way, we also, even in this day and age, can penetrate the Dhamma, just like Venerable Anya Kondanya. We can also come to see the Buddha in our hearts, just like Venerable Anya Kondanya. If we practice mindfulness and we learn to contemplate Dhamma, we also can see just like him. He had built his parami over many previous existences, so he was ready and prepared for that moment when he heard the words of the Buddha. His samadhi was firm, his mind was firm, his wisdom was clear. So he received the Dhamma teaching from the Buddha and it gave its results. The other four ascetics also had been practicing for many lifetimes. Their parami was perfected, so hearing this teaching not long after that, they also uh, all became enlightened. So it's up to us now. We have to practice. We have to develop our own parami in the same way. We have to maintain our faith, our confidence in the Buddha and his teachings and then we, have to must, we must put forth effort in our practice. We have this place, Buddha Bodhivana Monastery, a suitable place for the practice. Uh, we have this hall, we have the facilities here, we have a teacher in Ajahn Kalyano. So we can now put our effort into that practice, developing ourselves, developing ourselves in morality, in concentration and wisdom. We must learn to practice meditation and do it regularly. We must learn to keep the precepts, learn to be restrained in our behavior and mindful. We've come together at this time to keep the eight precepts. So we're using them as a, um, we we bring up a special effort to keep them and we use them as a tool to support our meditation practice and bring our minds to peace at this time. But even if you're meditating and your mind is not yet peaceful, don't give up. Keep coming back to your basic faith and confidence in the Buddha and his words. Keep developing your minds in the path of practice. Keep listening to the Dhamma. And sooner or later you will find you can experience inner happiness. Maybe practicing one day, meditating, you will find that your mind becomes peaceful. Uh, if it does, maybe the body and the mind feel very bright, very light together as pity and sukha arises and the mind becomes very one-pointed and clear. At that time you might see through the normal uh, conventional realities that we normally attach to and get deluded by, the samuti satya. We break through that and see that the true nature of phenomena is really an dukkha anatta. Having been born in this world, we must die. That which is born must die. That which arises must cease. 
we contemplate, we can see we're in this world, we do have a duty to uh, find the basic four necessities of life, shelter and food and so on. But as we build up wealth in this world, we should also contemplate to see this is really impermanent, transient kind of wealth, the material wealth that we have. If we don't practice the Dhamma, then even if we do amass a whole store of wealth, material wealth, it won't really have much value. Our minds won't really have much value and they can easily drop off from the Dhamma, they can stray from the Dhamma and go in the wrong directions. Because we still have avicca, ignorance, misunderstanding of truth in our hearts, this can easily lead us, take us away from the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. So we have to keep up our efforts in the practice. We have to keep contemplating to see the true nature of phenomena, nama and rupa, and see them as anicca, dukkha, anatta. Little by little we'll be eroding away our attachment and clinging, eroding away our craving. And in, in place of that, more happiness, inner happiness and peace of body and mind will arise. Even though the Lord Buddha was enlightened and attained Parinibbana a long time ago, it doesn't mean to say we can't practice for enlightenment in this day and age or in this country. Ajahn Chah used to say, is it not possible that the Buddha could arise in Thailand? He was living in Thailand. What he meant was that if somebody practices Sila Samadhi and Panya and develops this path, Whatever country they're living in, whatever age or era, they are capable of developing this kind of insight and freeing their hearts from suffering. They can abandon Upadana and Dhanha, they can see through Avicca and they can actually become enlightened wherever they are if they practice in this way. So we must dedicate ourselves to developing mindfulness and practicing not letting our minds fall into the kilesas, negative moods of liking and disliking. We have to keep recollecting the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, uh, especially on this occasion when we're commemorating Vesak. This is what helps our mind to develop and gives its value. Once we practice, then little by little wisdom will start to arise. And as that, this becomes more full, more complete, uh, our faith in the Buddha's teaching will become firm and uns unwavering in our hearts, what we call achara sata, where our confidence in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha is, is firm, unshakable. We'll understand the law of karma without doubt, without skepticism. We'll know good actions lead to good results, bad actions lead to bad results and suffering. We'll know that instinctively and cannot be swayed from that understanding. One who has this will have confidence in, their, in the way of practice. They'll really believe it, it's effective and it's worth doing. Of course, sometimes in our practice, in our lives, we have obstructive karma arising. Sometimes you know, we have obstacles, even though we seem to be doing a lot of good, still bad things can come up. We can have suffering and problems and difficulties. But we shouldn't 
take that at face value we should look deeper and see well that may if we do experience some difficulty and suffering or obstacles well there are probably causes for that even venerable Devadatta in the time of the Buddha he had a great store of good karma from the past great parami in his spiritual practice but at the end in his life that life he, he, he got caught into wrong views through his own desires and jealousies and so ended up making a lot of bad karma by uh, attacking the Buddha and uh, leading the Sangha into to splitting the Sangha, trying to split the Sangha. So when he died, he went straight to the deepest of the hell realms, the Oichi hell realm. But that's also not a final resting place for him. Devadatta one day will be born back out of the hell realms and the Buddha predicted one day he'll actually become a Pacheka Buddha so karma has many levels, many layers, many aspects to it the important thing is to develop right view, Samaditi where we really use our intelligence to understand the truth and contemplate the truth of our experience it's natural when obstacles arise that we will have doubts and think hmm, I do all this practice and still I have troubles and problems in my life but when you use samaditi and contemplate correctly you can transcend these doubts you can go beyond them and this will free yourself up to continue on putting effort into your practice it's normal that sometimes we'll have experienced bad moods, negative moods and so on in the course of our practice um, but what we must do is work to bring the mind back to the Dhamma anytime we're experiencing a negative mood you notice that, recognize that and see how you can bring your mind back to the Dhamma and develop more positive wholesome states of mind so we have to use our mindfulness and our wisdom here we have to learn how to contemplate our experience even as you're hearing my words at this very moment you can bring up mindfulness and contemplate these words as an experience of Dhamma you have the sound of the words contacting your ear, arising, passing away and that's Dhamma, seeing the impermanence of this sound of the, these words or you can follow your breath as we're sitting here with mindfulness and clear comprehension now observe your own breath arising and passing away so for the next couple of days on this retreat try to put all your efforts into bringing up mindfulness in the present moment and clear comprehension as much as you can in each posture try to establish mindfulness this will be a fertile ground for insight to arise to really see the true nature of things just like Venerable Anya Kondanya and the five ascetics in the time of the Buddha if we can maintain our mindfulness it will allow us to contemplate experience to see it as impermanent suffering and not self allow the mind to let go of its attachments, its cravings the more we can maintain mindfulness the more this will allow insight to arise and with the arising of insight and understanding our faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha and this path of practice will keep becoming firmer and firmer as I explained, becoming achara, sata sort of unshakable faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha this will give us great peace, confidence and happiness in our hearts 
So may all of you put forth efforts in put forth effort in your practice. May you all come to experience this kind of peace and happiness. May you all come to experience success in your practice. Nandamayang vadakatha satukarang tathamase Sato 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 Anumodami <laughs>